We go into meetings with the best of intentions and plans, but unfortunately, sometimes the unexpected happens. Today, five power steps for facilitating bad meeting behavior with my friend Donna Shoulder. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 173. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help leaders improve their communication, coaching, strategy, productivity, and personal mastery. So glad to have you back again for another episode. And this week, we're going to tackle a topic that I think is one we've all dealt with, which is how to facilitate bad behavior in meetings. And in fact, we're going to look at five power steps for doing that. And I am so thrilled to welcome back to the show my friend Donna Schilder. Donna was back uh, on the last episode. uh, She appeared. It's actually her third appearance on the show. And she was back on episode 101, helping us to navigate LinkedIn and how to create a LinkedIn profile and how to utilize LinkedIn effectively. So some of you will remember that episode. And uh, Donna, I don't know if I, I think I mentioned to you that so many people have uh, connected with me through LinkedIn since we aired that show. And I still get comments about that show all the time. So I'm so glad that we did that. And uh, I'm so glad to have her back. Donna's an executive and career coach who has the credential Master Certified Coach through the International Coach Federation. She works with executives and leaders in high-tech, medical device, and pharmaceutical industries and helps them to be more successful at inspiring leveraging and supporting their teams. And Donna's out here in Southern California with me, and we've uh, worked together a bunch over the years. And Donna, welcome back to the show. I'm glad you're here. Hey, Dave. I'm so excited to be here. And boy, that LinkedIn show was a lot of fun, and I got a a lot of wonderful um, people that I linked to through that show as well. You have such amazing listeners. It's it's really, really a, a cool cool thing to be doing, and I'm so glad to be here to talk about meeting facilitation because... Uh, it wastes so much time for so many people. It it really does, yeah. And, th- and thanks for saying that, Donna. We just have such a great community around the show, and I'm so glad to get connected with pe- with people over LinkedIn. So if you are on LinkedIn and want to connect, drop me a line and let me know you're a Coaching for Leaders community member, and I'd love to connect with you. And like you said, we're gonna uh, we we probably will talk more about LinkedIn again in the future because I know some things are changing with LinkedIn. So we'll ha- hopefully have you back in the near future on that. Um, but we we wanted to tackle a topic today that is one that uh, we've all dealt with, which is bad meeting behaviors. Of course, nobody in this community has ever behaved badly in a meeting, uh, (laughs) nor have I ever behaved badly in a meeting. Um, and I'm sure you haven't either, Donna. But um, oh no, I'm perfect. Yes, yes, of course. So, but for the other people out there, all those other crazy folks, um, <laughs> we should have some good tools to help us to leverage that. And so, we're going to cover five of them today. How do we handle situations when people don't behave the way that we? expect them to or want to in order to really advance the agenda of the meeting and help the organization to move forward effectively. So we're going to tackle all five of these. And um, Donna, would it be helpful to, to say the five up front here and then kind of talk through them? Or do you want to just jump right Absolutely. in? What's... No, I'd like to say them. I, I, I believe in telling them what you're going to tell them, telling them, and then telling them again. So, okay. Sounds good. Let's do um, it. Yeah. So the five power steps to facilitating facilitating bad meeting behaviors are knowing the types of disruptive meeting behaviors, 
identifying the behaviors when they occur, intervening in the disruptive behaviors, using firm but friendly confrontation, and if you have to, take it offline. Okay, got it, got it. And I'm having a feeling the intervening part's going to be a critical piece of this is trying to figure out what's the what's the right way to do that and how do we best support that and, and help people to save face at the same time too. And And, you know, all kidding aside, Donna, I can think back to times where um, I've said things in meetings, and then either in the moment or more often afterwards, I thought to myself, wow, that was really not the thing to say, or maybe I even was inappropriate, or I was just, you know, I may have come across as a jerk because I said something that I didn't, I, it's not that I was trying to hijack the meeting or anything, but I just, you know, we've all been there. I think most of us have made mistakes in meetings. Um, and so it's important for us to recognize that in ourselves, but at the same time to know that you know, we, we we need to give people grace on the occasions when this happens too. Uh, absolutely. I mean, sometimes we get passionate or we're tired or, you know, a million things have happened that day and we don't behave as well as we could. And as leaders, we want to be open to receiving feedback and we want people to give, give us feedback. And to me, that's the highest highest um, skill of a leader. Uh, So hopefully part of what you'll hear today and part of why I want to make sure we identify some of these um, disruptive behaviors is so that you'll also be watching yourself. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Because we lead best by example. So let's uh, let's definitely do that. Uh, So let's uh, let's tackle the first one here. So looking at what are some of the types of disruptive behaviors that we see in meetings? And I know some of these we can probably think of off the top of our head, but there's also some things that maybe aren't always as apparent that come up in meeting situations. Yeah. And, and I'm always amazed. I mean, I have been in so many meetings in my life. I think we all have, but I'm always amazed at what leaders will tolerate. And I think what happens is sometimes we just get used to a certain behavior and we just don't notice them anymore, or we don't want to rock the boat, or we just don't know how to. And hopefully we're going to give you some tips today so that you can intervene effectively. Um, But I remember one leadership team I I was on. I mean, it was the top group running the, the whole company. And there were two people who would pass notes back and forth during the meeting. And, you know, it might have been relevant, but it, it just was distracting and it made people distrustful and um, it just wasn't good for the team. And sometimes they would also whisper to each other. Um, and so that can be really disruptive. Um, in the same team, um, there were a few people who would roll their eyes and sigh when they didn't agree with something. They wouldn't state their opinion. They'd just be passive aggressive with it. You know, it it almost felt like junior high a little bit, and yet these were, you know, very accomplished people. Um, And the worst thing was that there were several people that would come like 15 minutes late, and that's one of my pet peeves. I mean, if you take, you know, whatever dollars per hour times the nine people that are waiting for the other three people, and you do that 52 times a year, it it comes up, you know, you're you're getting into $30,000 that you just wasted for the company. Mm. So, um, you know, to me, there's a cure for this, you know, for that one, it's start the meeting on time, no matter what, and they miss what they miss. And um, we'll give you a few tips to give them a little feedback when they walk in. And I have a really funny tip for this one later on, too. Fair enough. Well, yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the fact that, you know, what people sometimes get away with or just aren't aware of. Um, I'm, I'm thinking too, and both you and I, Donna, have been done work with Dale Carnegie over the years. And, 
You know, mm-hmm. when we often coach people in a presentations course, we'll we'll coach them and we'll video and then we'll have them watch it later. And people are sometimes just stunned by what they see on video. Like they'll do eye rolling <laughs> or things like that. And they have no idea that they're doing it. And and I'm glad you mentioned that because I think sometimes if if a leader or whoever the facilitator in the meeting doesn't step in or doesn't um doesn't set expectations or give people feedback, some of these types of things become so commonplace that people don't even realize that they're necessarily doing it. Mm-hmm. And it really undermines the relationships in the team. People feel disrespected. They don't feel supported. They don't feel trusted. And and then the, the, the leader wonders why you know people aren't interacting well and getting things done. Yeah, because the nonverbal things sometimes that are happening are just sending the message that we don't want to have collaboration here, or it's not a safe place to communicate your ideas. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And what we want to do as leaders is, is support and foster ideas. Um, and then you mentioned in the meeting facilitation podcast you did a while back, um, multitaskers in meetings. You've got you know, people on their phones and their iPads and their laptops, or, or maybe they're just writing notes or reading something. And that's disrespectful. And that def- defeats the purpose of a meeting because not everyone's paying attention. And I know we've all had that situation where we've had to repeat something because someone wasn't listening. Yeah, yeah. Been there, done that, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you feel disrespected and you feel like a waste. it's been a waste of time. But some of the other ones that, that are, you know, these are sort of the softer disruptions, but some of the bigger ones are people who ramble and just go, go on and on and on. Um, people who dominate and do all of the talking. And a lot of times, you know, I used to do this thing where I would draw a diagram of the interactions of a meeting and I'd just put circles on a piece of paper and put X's by where, um, you know, who talked to who and then lines. And if you looked at it, a lot of times there was like two or three people in the meeting talking the whole time. Mm. And that's not a good use of the meeting either. Um, there's also chronic objectors um, that just criticize every single idea. Um, there's non-participators, which loses ideas, and that happens a lot when there's a lack of trust or there's a big dominator. Um, and then there's personal attackers, which are just the worst of all. And I've got a story about that coming up. All right, fair enough. Well, uh, so one of the things uh, moving into the second point here is we have to be able to identify some of this behavior as it happens. And that, that, is, that is definitely a challenge, one for the awareness, which we already talked about. Um, but sometimes, you know, we, we think 10 or 15 minutes after the meeting ended or a half hour afterwards or a day later, gosh, I really should have said something or I should have done this. And, it's, and it is a lot of times too late at that point. I mean, we can certainly go back and give someone feedback, but it doesn't really change the outcome of that particular meeting. So how can we identify some of these disruptive behaviors as they're happening? Well, I think, first of all, knowing and thinking about that there are disruptive behaviors um, and reflecting, especially on those meetings where you feel like you're not being as productive as you'd like to be, come into the meeting and not only focus on what you need to get done, the tasks at hand, but also focus on how is the meeting running and watch, watch, to see who's doing most of the talking. You know, you may not notice that there's three people that never say a word in your meeting unless you focus on it. 
um, watch to see if there's people who are frustrated or people who are shuffling in their seats because they have something to say but they can't get into the conversation. So watch for visual cues and, and reflect, you know, are my meetings effective or what could I do better? And I'm guessing, Donna, and I'm wondering if you might have done this before, is this something where it could be helpful to have a peer or a colleague come into a meeting you're running and just watch and observe and maybe, like you said, to just diagram out who's who's talked the most just so you have that that um, that third-party objective view Absolutely. of what's going on? Absolutely. So you can have your boss, you can have a colleague, although when you bring your boss in, they may act a little bit differently. Um, you could have a coach or a consultant and um, absolutely have someone give you some feedback on how you're doing in leading the meeting. Yeah, and then return the favor and do the same thing for them for their meetings if they yeah. are, are open to it. So, okay, good, good. That's a good good strategy for us to use. Once you have really, you know, become aware of the disruptive behaviors, and another thing is you can just ask for feedback from your team. What do you think we're doing not as well, right? Um, and that can be a way... Um, to be watching and, and be aware. But um, there's lots of ways that you can intervene, and I'm going to go through a few of them. Sure. Uh, before today. we before we hit to that, um, I'm curious on the asking for feedback, Donna, because I know sometimes when, and I've seen this happen in meetings many times where, and in fact, I can think of an organization I've worked with where it was standard protocol in every meeting at the end of the meeting for people to rate the meeting, and they'd go around the room, and everyone would verbally rate on a scale, I think it was like a, a scale of like how effective they thought the meeting was. Well, no one ever said anything below like, <laughs> I don't know, it was, there was the highest and the second highest rating. It, no one ever said it was a bad meeting or it wasn't effective because you, you wouldn't say that in front of 15 or 20 people. So what's the best way to get that kind of feedback when you're, when you're running a team meeting on a regular basis um, to really find out what it is people are thinking? Well, I love um, actually a tool called the Plus Delta, which I think is a little bit stronger than just rating the meeting, um, but rating the meeting could be helpful too. Um, plus Delta is you, um, put, on the one side you're talking about plus, what did we do well, and Delta, what didn't we do well. And so, and you can write it on the board or you can put it in the, the meeting minutes and you can say, okay, so what did we do well in this meeting and go around. And if you're not getting feedback, go around in a round robin, which I want to talk about in a minute too. Um, and then Delta, what could we do better next time? And that is so healthy for a team to give each other feedback. Um, and that way you as the leader don't have to be the one policing everything. You're getting you know, the team members to do it. Um, another thing that if that doesn't work, um, I think that's the best way, but if that doesn't work is to periodically do a written evaluation with, say, um, four questions, a, a survey you sent out. And, you know, I would ask the same questions. What are we doing well? What could we do better? And um, ask a few other questions about how the, the meeting is running. And then don't just hide that. You've got to bring that into the team and say, this is the feedback that I, that I received. You know, how can we work on this and make this better? I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think sometimes when leaders hear something negative, the kind of the human first reaction is to not really bring attention to that or kind of 
maybe shuffle that under the carpeting a little bit and 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 really it's 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 almost better if you don't ask at all if that's what you're going to do um if you are going to ask is to really then be be truthful with people about okay here's what was said and um and here's what we'll do about it or if there's nothing that can or for whatever reason can't be done about it at least acknowledge that you know here's what was said we're not going to make this change here's why um and that way people at least know that they're being listened to because then then you just set up um you set up a lot more trust for them to get the feedback uh, about meetings in the future or anything else in the organization for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. Don't ever ask the question if you're not going to at least tell them why you're not going to do it. But at the, at the greatest, you know, make a corrective action. Absolutely. So this leads us into intervening and what kinds of things we can do to intervene when the disrupt disruptive behavior happens. Um, so what what are the tools that we have available to us and the, the process we might follow when we run into some of these things? Well, um, let me just give some examples. Um, and I kind of will go from a softer intervention to a stronger intervention. Hmm, okay, so, perfect. And, and I think we should always use the softest intervention first and move up to the stronger interventions. Um, some very little things can make a huge difference and don't have to be so impactful. And the first one that is just a really soft intervention is just to use some nonverbals. So, um, for example, in the, the um, team that I was talking about, what I started doing was just looking at the people who were passing the notes. So they would pass a note, I would look at them. Mm. Uh, a little bit stronger was look at them and then look at the note and then look at them again. Um, a little stronger was to look at them when, say, they were talking to each other, you know, whispering offline and just kind of slightly shake my head. So, again, just a little nonverbal cue. If somebody's talking too much, maybe just raising your hand a little bit to them to say, hey, you know, stop for a second. Um, so there's nonverbal cues that you can use to intervene in these behaviors. Um, and even, it's funny because sometimes people know they have a bad behavior and they can't, they're not good at stopping it. I had one woman, I'll call her Joanne, and Joanne asked me to sit next to her because she was a driver and she was very ADD and um, she would blurt things out. And um, she said, when I start getting going, can you just touch my arm lightly? And that worked really well, and we started getting a lot more done in that meeting. Oh, interesting. Well, that's the kind of um, value that raising awareness can really add, is when someone does know that, then you can do some things to put some actions in a place that help people. Right, exactly, exactly. And then, um, you know, for the non-participators, there's, you know, this can happen because there's, a lack of trust in the environment or there's a dominator or sometimes it'll be young people in the meeting and they haven't been in a lot of meetings. And I remember I used to work with um, a medical um, group. I would um, do go to meetings with the supervisor and their frontline staff. And um, when I taught the, uh, the supervisor to just invite people into the conversation, they got a lot more participation. Mm. So if they just stop and said, does anyone have anything to add? Oh, you know, interesting. Just making a spot for people. And how would that sound, Donna, when, when you say invite? Because I think that that's the kind of thing 
that a lot of people would do when they think about invite. They'd say, okay, does anyone else have anything to add? And they'd say, okay, well, I invited the conversation, but it, but there's there's probably a better way to do that. So what is, what's some of the language you found that's have been helpful in the past and teams you've worked with? Well, um, it could also be, what are your thoughts on this? Um, what other ideas do you have? And it, if you get more specific and actually ask the specific person, Joe, you know, I, and you know, do you have um, something that you could add to this, or um, do you have any points on the other side of this? Um, and sometimes you'll see people squirming in their seats because they're trying to get into the conversation, but they can't. So you can say, hey, you know, it looks like Sarah has something to say on this. I love it. And uh, someone gave me some advice a while back, Donna, which might be helpful here too, is you know, telling people in advance what the meeting topic is going to be about um, and mm-hmm. giving them a chance to do some thinking on it. I know, mm-hmm. I know for me, I tend to be a quieter person in meetings. And if I have a chance to think about it in advance, I'm much more likely to add in my comments. And especially if I know I'm going to have a chance to do that, uh, that, that really helps out me a lot. So that, that sounds like the kind of thing that might be helpful in this situation too. Absolutely. And you can... Sometimes you need to do that right in the meeting. Um, Sometimes you know that the people were too busy to look at the agenda. I mean, I love getting the agenda ahead of time. But, um, or they're frontline staff and they never get a time to stop because they're always working with customers. So what you can do is put the topic out and give people one to three minutes right in the meeting to write some notes about it. Awesome. Awesome. Very good. So... and that works really well with a group of analyticals. So if you get a, you know, if you've got in, a lot of engineers or a lot of um, accounting types, and they're not saying much, that can really help. So we fit on some of the softer, maybe even friendlier ways to to intervene. Uh, how about when that doesn't work, or maybe we do need to be a little bit more assertive? What are some of the things that might be in our toolbox to utilize, Donna? <laughs> well. Um, I, you know, I wanted to tell the story about a, a team I worked with at Rockwell that um, there were some really strong personalities in there, and um, they were walking away from every meeting feeling frustrated because they weren't getting anything done. And especially there was this one woman, um, I'll call her Margaret, and so there was one woman on the team and 12 men, and she was very dominant. I, I remember she had bright red flaming hair, and she was a chronic objector, an eye roller, a personal attacker. She was pretty nasty. And it was funny, though, she really was trying to do the best thing for the company. She just didn't didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have empathy. You know, she was the only woman there, and I, I think that wasn't easy. But, um, you know, one thing we tried, and it worked for a while, was um, having everyone list make a list of what their ground rules were for the meeting and then um, bringing that up and saying, how did we do, you know, and of course they put on their don't interrupt others and no personal attacks and don't talk for more than two minutes, which I love that. Don't talk for two, two minutes, more than two minutes. Um, and so then that allowed them to, to then give some verbal feedback to each other and then we would bring it back in and say, how are we doing? And um, in this case, we tried a couple of things and it would work for a while. So one of them was we gave them a, a, a word, a code word, and their code word was lemon. And so if anyone was violating the rules, you'd say lemon. And um, that worked for about a year and then they kind of slid. And um, then we gave them Nerf balls and 
they threw Nerf balls at each other when they broke the rules. Oh, so funny. And um, it was really fun and light. You can't do that with everybody, but um, with that team, it worked really well. And, and it was a very formal team. You know, they were all in suits and the whole deal, but um, the Nerf balls made it sort of light and, and airier. But um, then going in, so that's sort of like a formal tool, but yep. it, when we start moving into, moving into the firm but friendly confrontation, which I think is so important, um, there's... And hey, I'll Donna, give the I, example. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but I, I just wanted to mention something you, you said there a minute ago, and I think it's really key. Um, and I can't remember if we talked about it previously in the show about um, facilitating meetings, but it, but the ground rules, you know, that's one of those things you see on every single meeting form and um, on the wall and every meeting room and every organization. And yet it isn't something I get the sense that a lot of groups really have, even if they have them uh, is one thing, but that they don't talk about a lot. And when the when those ground rules are violated, that someone makes mention of. And so having that starting point is really important and giving some attention to it. Because uh, I think that that's something that's kind of easily missed or assumed that it's just taken care of. Absolutely. And um, I think part of it is having the team make their own ground rules so that they're addressing behaviors that are real for them. So I think that's one thing. And number two is bringing the ground, ground rules up as a topic in the meeting and saying, okay, these are our ground rules. I think we're violating some of these. Which one do you think that we are violating? Got it. Very good. Very good. I like that, that idea of talking about it. That's awesome. You know, allows people to give feedback. And when people get feedback, they do change their behaviors. Well, speaking of changing behaviors and interrupting people, I just interrupted you a moment ago. You were going to start talking about uh, the fourth point here, which is what is the friendly, what is the firm but friendly confrontation? Um, and I'm sorry I moved on too quickly because that was really an important point. But um, so there's sort of four things that you can do, and they're all just a step harder, a step stronger. One is a general question. The next is a general statement, then a specific question and a specific statement. Oh, okay. And so I used this with Margaret because she still kept, you know, kept uh, being very aggressive. And so um, the example of the general question was, does anyone feel there are some personal attacks going on here? Hmm. So you can feel that's a little more aggressive than just looking at someone. Yep, for sure. It, it's moving up the scale. Um, you know, it could be a little, you know, personal attacks is a hard one. Another example would be, does anyone else feel we are digressing? You know, does anyone else feel we're getting off topic? So the general question, questions are usually softer than statements. Hmm. That worked a little bit, but didn't quite. And people kept coming to me and saying, you've got to take care of Margaret and get this behavior taken care of. So then I went to the general statement. We had agreed as a team not to commit personal attacks. You can feel, again, we're starting to move up into a higher level of intervention. Yep. You know, we had agreed that we would be on time to this meeting. Having this language and knowing how to give the feedback is the first step in really starting to intervene in some of this behavior. 
then we move to something even a little bit more aggressive. And this is the specific question. And this, it's specific because I'm going to use her name. Margaret, do you think you might have been attacking Joe just then? And what would be the reason for saying something like, Margaret, do you think you might have been attacking Joe versus Margaret? That sounded to me like an attack. Like, would you phrase it as a question? Okay, so it's just softer. So it gives her a chance to say face a little bit. Yeah, it's softer. Um, It's a little like you could use this with the side conversationalist. You could say, um, Andrea, do you have anything to add? Got it. Got it. So it's it's just a little softer than um, Margaret. You seem to be attacking Joe. And so I'm guessing that if you really do need to make that specific statement to somebody, that might be the time when you would take it offline or take it with that person. You might get in, yeah. I mean, when you get up into this range, and, and I, I think the test is when you think about saying it, does, it, does your stomach hurt? Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if you start to feel tense, then maybe, maybe you should take it offline. It is better for the team to keep it in the team. It's better to model be, the behavior of intervening. It's better for the team to see that it's being addressed. But if it's really high risk, I would take it offline. So, you know, a specific say, statement of, Joe, you seem to be objecting to this idea. That's not quite as scary as, Margaret, you seem to be personally attacking Joe. Uh, yeah, I see that. So you kind of want to move you know, up the ladder depending on where you are and what you think that the team is, is mature enough to deal with. Yeah, and I, th- I think there's a, there's a line here for me. I'm just thinking through situations I've had in the past of, and I, I really... Uh, I really resonate with what you just said here, Donna, that you want to set this expectation in front of the team. So you do want to set the culture in front of the whole team. And at the same point, you don't want to... Embarrass. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to think of a better word than punish. You don't want to punish an entire team for the behavior of one person. So, um, mm-hmm. so, it's, so when you get to the point where you are needing to give someone very specific a statement of feedback, then that is probably the time where you need to take it offline and, 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 uh, and, and get into the more detail if you need to. Yeah. And this will be in the handout that we um, provide um, afterwards. But um, yeah, so I, I, you know, every once in a while you would use a specific statement with someone's name in it. Um, but you got to be careful with that one. And, you know, the little, the softer, does anyone feel like there's some personal attacks going on is a lot softer. Um, but let me tell you what can happen if you take it offline. So this is a funny story that happened to me. Um, now, if you're the team leader, this isn't going to happen to you, but I was the facilitator. So I was there to support the team leader. And, and, and by the way, taking it offline is, is perfectly valid. It's just the last place I go because it doesn't allow for team growth as much. Um, but in this case, I was the facilitator, and I went and I had a meeting with Margaret. And I came there, and I was very diplomatic, and I said, you know, Margaret, um, sometimes when you say, you know, this or you say that, um, people feel attacked. And by the way, the team members were so afraid of her and she was totally shutting them down. So it it was very, you know, a very real thing. Um, But I said to her, you know, Margaret, um, 
this is detrimental to the team because not all the ideas are getting out and people are going around you and doing different things because they're not being heard. And, you know, if you refrain from it, it would look like this. And I said, you know, what do you think? Would you be willing to modify your behavior a bit? And she said, oh, I, I understand I'm that way. And she agreed. And I left and I walked back to my office. And when I got back to my office, my boss was sitting on my desk. <laughs> sitting on your desk. <laughs> on my desk. And, and my boss um, let me know that as soon as I left Margaret's office, um, that she had called and demanded that I be fired. <laughs> oh, lovely. So um, she had called my boss and my boss's boss and demanded that I be fired. But um, they were on my side. They knew about the situation. But I was embarrassed, you know. So you could pay a price if you take it offline and you're not someone's boss. But the funny thing was that Margaret started behaving better in meetings. And... I saw a huge change and the team was really happy. So in the end, it did pay off, but there are risks, um, especially if you're not um, above someone. Um, you know, even if you are, they could retaliate in some way. So Yeah. And boy, we could do a whole, uh, we could talk for hours about organizational behavior and organizational politics, couldn't we? And, uh, and, yes. and, and, but it, it really does speak to the, the, the value of, that someone needs to intervene when when something like that is preventing the organization from being effective. And, I, and one of the things that I really, uh, that I heard in what you just said, Donna, was you spoke to the broader objectives. It's not just, I want you to change behavior because, you know, I don't like it. It's your, your be, this behavior is causing this team to go around. It's causing people to do things that are making your job harder, that are helping, that are preventing the organization from reaching its goals. And even when people don't agree with that kind of feedback, a lot of times I found it will give someone pause to at least think through like, well, you know, it's not just that people don't like me. This is actually, you know, there's evidence that things aren't getting done. Even if I don't agree with how the feedback was given, it, there's evidence that things aren't getting done and the organization's not responding to me. And so maybe I do need to think about something I can do differently. Sometimes we pay a little price, but in the end it's worth it. And But I, I do think we, we all need to be braver. We all need to not just let things um, be there because it is costing the, the company productivity. There's hurt feelings. There's alliances. There's, um, you know, conflict that gets stirred up. And, and there's wasted time. And um, so it is our job to intervene. So I, I hope we can challenge the listeners to, stand up and step into some of these um, interventions. Well, and we are going to give you a good tool in order to do that. So um, so f before we talk about that, Donna, let's, uh, let's summarize these five. So we've got, first of all, knowing what disruptive behavior looks like. So we talked about a few of those here at the beginning, and we'll put all these in the notes as well. Um, secondly, identifying the disruptive behaviors when they happen. Third, intervening. Fourth, using that firm but friendly confrontation, and as we and as we talked about, having that offline conversation being that last resort, and then finally number five, taking it offline in the situations where that's that's uh, that's necessary. And and you've actually prepared a document for people that will, will kind of walk them through this whole process. Um, so we should say something about that, and then just um, and and how people can connect with you, Donna. So uh, what's uh, what's the best way for people to reach that? Um, well, we're going to put a link to that um, in the notes that they can then go to my website and 
get that and, and print that out. And there is a, a bonus in there. There's a whole other, um, well, there's a few other interventions in there that we didn't touch on today. So oh, there's more material there for you. So that's great. And um, then as far as um, contacting me, um, you can uh, email me at Donna at DonnaShilder.com. Um, you can call me at 562-434-7822. You can go to my website, Donna at DonnaShilder.com. I'm sorry, that's my email address. My website is DonnaShilder.com. It is, it is. And you can link to me on LinkedIn. I am the only Donna Shilder. So you are. I love, wow. love, love to, to be linked on LinkedIn. I have gotten so many wonderful links from your show. Um, and you spell my last name, S-C-H-I-L-D-E-R. Great. So I'm going to put links to all this in the notes. And those of you who get the weekly leadership guide will have links to all of those coming to you in your email on Wednesday. So definitely check that out. Donna, it is always a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for your wisdom. And I look forward to having you back and uh, chatting more about uh, LinkedIn and other things down the road here. And uh, thanks so much for taking the time to stop by. A big thanks to Donna Schilder for her wisdom and also for taking the time to put together a resource guide for all of us. She made mention of that during the conversation, so be sure to check that out, as well as detailed notes on our conversation that Donna's passed along. You can get all of that at coachingforleaders.com slash 173, Donna's contact information, that guide, and also all the notes are available there. So check that out for sure. And of course, if you get the weekly update, you'll see that in your inbox with a link on Wednesday. And I also am looking for comments, questions, feedback specifically for the next Q&A show, which is coming up this next Monday, episode number 174. And that is going to be on the topic resources for leaders. So training programs, school, academic degrees, books, software, membership, services, websites, you name it. If you have something you're looking for in the new year, especially as a resource for your leadership or your leadership development, that is a great question to ask. And the way to do that is to go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. I have a bunch of questions already, but still have a, co- a couple of uh, spots for a few more questions for next week's show. So I hope you will get that in. Again, episode 174, coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. And I am in the midst of, speaking of the new year, planning for the next year with my goal setting. And I made mention back on episode 171 that we've partnered as an affiliate formally with Michael Hyatt's course, Five Days to Your Best Year Ever. I am in the midst of it right now. It's going great. And there is still time to get in. In fact, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, you can still get in up until January 8th. So if you're wondering what you're going to do for your planning for the new year and to get started on your goal setting to really get off the ground running uh, beginning here in January, I hope that you'll check it out. The best way to find out about it is our affiliate link at coachingforleaders.com slash best 2015. So again, that's coachingforleaders.com slash best 2015. There's a lot more information on episode 171. So check that out if you're still interested in it. Again, you can get in until January 8th. And speaking of the new year, a wonderful guide to check out if you haven't already is my overview and guide on the 10 leadership books that will help you get 
better results from others, including the two that I rely on weekly. So if you would like to get access to that, uh, all you need to do is join the weekly update and you'll get that guide as well as a eight or nine minute video from me overviewing those books. And that's a great way to start your reading list for the new year. That's one of the things I always think about in the new year is thinking through what are the best books that I can read this year that will help me to learn. And if that's on the top of your mind too, this book list is a great place to start. Uh, Also, you'll get the Wednesday leadership update from me, and that always includes a link to the show notes as well as resources that I have found online that past week that will be helpful to you. Thank you to the folks who have subscribed to that in the last week, and that is Whitney Stafford, Intermani Buljari, I hope I said that okay, Kunjal Gandhi, Jeff Caldwell, Patty Brosis, Tom Wang, Shane Simpson, Vignaswari Abraham, Chuck Corston, Howie Fung, Rathith Gopal Krishna, Camille Cardoso, Ken Anderson, and Sean Egan. Thank you to all of you for jumping in on the leadership update on Wednesdays. Again, the best way to get access to that is coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And thank you also this week to Traveling Chris for recording and writing a review on iTunes about the show. Chris, thanks so much for your kind words. I really appreciate it. And thanks also for your email too. It's great to get connected with you. And if the show's been helpful to you as well, and you feel like you can leave a review, I am always grateful for that. It is a huge help to continue to grow our community. So if you're an iTunes user, coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes, we'll get you there. And if you use Stitcher, coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher, we'll get you there. Have a wonderful rest of the year. And if you're listening to this in 2015, have a great start to the new year. And I look forward to being back with you on the Q&A show next week. Take care.